In today's Mishnah, we'll learn the eighth and ninth Mishnah from the tenth parak Masech the Ruven. And the Mishnah begins, Ilan Shu Mesech Al Haaretz. So we're dealing here with a tree, a large tree whose branches spread out widely and almost reach the ground. And therefore, if one were to walk between the branches, it'd find a nice room created by the branches that act both as the roof and the walls. The Mishnah says, Imno for Gavomin Haaretz Loshat Vachim. If the branches reach to within three Tvachim from the ground, then Metatlim Tachtav. One would be able to carry in that space. Why? Because once it's within three tvachim from the ground, we consider as if that space is filled in completely by the trees, based on the principle of lavod, and you have nice walls marking off an area. However, two important points we should mention. One is that we're assuming that a regular wind wouldn't cause these branches to move. Otherwise, there's a principle that a partition that is blown around by a regular wind is not considered mechitzah for the purposes of defining Rishot and Shabbat. So consequently, if a regular wind would move it, it would have to be securely fastened in place. A second important thing is we're assuming here that the space underneath the tree is less than 5,000 square amot, otherwise known as Beit time. The reason is, if you remember we learned this previously, any area that's pukaf, surrounded, but not ladira, meaning there's no dwelling place underneath it, the maximum space that can be surrounded and partitioned off, such you can carry within that space, is a beitzah time five thousand square amot. Let's continue. Shorashav goim in shatvachim. If the roots from the tree are protruding three tvachim high from the ground, then loyashev alehim. One is not allowed to sit on them. Why is that? That is because there is exayra, there's a rabbinic prohibition against climbing trees on Shabbat, out of a concern that in the process he'll break a branch or maybe pick something from the tree and therefore violate one of the malachas of Shabbos. So once this root is out of the ground, or three tvachim high from the ground, it is considered like a branch covered by this gzira. If it is less than three tvachim from the ground, then it's considered like the ground, and one would be able to sit on it. Let's continue. Mishnah Begit says, that here we're dealing with sort of makeshift doors. The first one is a delich mukta. Mukta is a region towards the back of the say, garden or house that is usually set aside for storing produce or wood. And here it's partitioned off, but the door to the entrance to that area is done in a makeshift manner. There's no proper hinge work. Simply someone places a board across the opening. Similarly, chadakim, here we're dealing with bundles of thorns that are in the pirts and then a breach of wall in order to, to block it up. Or makhts a lot of reed map. All these things you're not allowed to use to, to close off that opening. Enolimbahem. Why? Because since it doesn't actually look like a proper door, it would have the appearance of someone is doing bonnet building on Shabbat, which one is not allowed to do. So anyway, you could do that is Elim King Voimanaaretz. If these doors were however hanging, so they were attached and hanging near the opening, then it is quite clear that it's set aside for that purpose and it would not, meaning simply as a door to cover the gap, and therefore it will not appear like person is building on Shabbat. Let's continue. Mishnah says, A person's not allowed to stand in the private domain and reach out into the public domain to take a key and then open the lock in the public domain. Now this is even, even if one would not be moving this key more than four amot, and therefore not really violating any malacha. Nonetheless, according to this first opinion, which is Rabbi Meir, he prohibits a practice out of concern that one will forget that he's standing in a different domain and bring the key back to where he's located, and therefore violate the prohibition of transferring from a public domain to a private domain. Similarly, Mishnah says, you cannot stand a person's not stand in the public domain, and then open up a lock in the Rishosayachid. So we're dealing with a lock is in a location that is, say, 4 by 4 and 10 to from the ground, so it's considered Rishosayachid. And the key is either near it, or even if it is in a Makom Patur, location, say, elsewhere high up, one would not be able to do so out of concern. He will bring it after he's locked it, 
So it's in Rosh Hashanah, he'll end up bringing it towards, or unlocked it, he'll bring it towards himself in Rosh Hashanah. The only way he can do so is, So again, this is according to one explanation, but the only way he could stand in Rosh Hashanah and unlock in Rosh Hashanah is if he walled off the area where, where he's located with a Mechitza Tent Vachim high, and therefore convert that space into a Rosh Hashanah, and then it would be okay. That is opinion of Rebbe Meir. Importantly, the Gemara says we have a Chisur Mechasra, Meaning, despite the fact the Mishnah initially only seemed to be discussing standing in Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah, according to the mayor, he also prohibits a practice if we're dealing not with Rosh Hashanah, even if one is dealing with a Carmelite in Rosh Hashanah, which you might think is more reason to permit it because it might be a rabbinic violation. Nonetheless, he also prohibits that practice. So therefore, the Chachamim responded to him, and they said, So Chachamim disagree in all situations, meaning they had no concern about that one might transfer from a Shusarabim to Shusayachid. In other words, one can stand in Shusarabim, reach out to Shusayachid, unlock a door. And we're not concerned about bringing the key back. However, Chachamim bring a case here that completely goes in contrast to the argument of Rabbi Meir that the Gzer applies when you're dealing with a Carmelite and Rosh Hashanah. Because the inc- there was an incident, or the, there was a general practice that happened in the Shuk Shel Patamim. Now, this is a marketplace. A marketplace is defined as a Carmelite. And Patamim are people that fatten animals or fowl in order to sell. And that was in Yushalayim. She would know what they would do. They would lock the doors. So they're standing in a Carmelite. They would lock the door in Rosh Hashanah. And they'd take the key and extract it, assuming the lock itself is above 10 fachim from the ground, so not transferring to the space of a caramelite, and they'd take it and put it up in a rishusayachid. So that's quite clearly, if this practice was accepted and fine, they're, they're doing exactly what Rabbi Mary said they weren't allowed to do. And that's why they bring this as a precedent to say that Rabbi Mary is incorrect. Rabbi Yossi says, Rabbi Yossi says, actually, even though in principle he agrees with the details, the one there's one detail he disagrees with. He says that it was actually shukshel tzamarim hayah. So it wasn't really Shukshel Patamim, it was a Shukshel Tzamarim. It was a marketplace where there were people who sold wool. But in any event, it's still the incident, whether it was a marketplace that sold animals or wool, it's still the practice was that people would stand in a caramel and unlock in Rosh Hashanah. Importantly here, what we find is that the, the Gemara explains that when it came to the case of a Carmelite, Rebbe Mir ultimately retracted from his position, but still maintained when it came to Rosh Hashanah that one would not be able to stand, for example, in Rosh Hashanah and unlock in Rosh Hashanah. However, as I've already explained, Chachamim even permitted the practice even in that situation, meaning standing in Rosh Hashanah and unlocking in a Rosh Hashanah. Those are the Mishnah today.